Hey everyone, it's Russell Venosi back for another episode of the Main Street Preps Podcast. The TSSAA football playoffs are in full swing with the Division I second round and Division II quarterfinals being played on Friday. We caught up with Pope John Paul II coach Justin Geisinger for this week's episode. Coach Geisinger and I talk about his team's 2020 success, we highlight a few key players, and we break down the upcoming Brentwood Academy matchup. Let's dive in. We are joined now by Pope John Paul II football coach Justin Geisinger. Coach, thanks for taking th- the time to do this. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. In the spirit of 2020, your team uh, had a pretty strange ending to the season. Is anybody on your team getting restless from, from going up against each other in practice uh, day after day? Uh, I mean, I'm sure they are to an extent, um, you know, but our guys have done a great job kind of managing that. I think our coaching staff's done a great job. Um, you know, with, with practices and everything and, and managing that situation. And, you know, our, our whole mission of our program and our process is, is kind of built for, for dealing with adverse situations and dealing with these things. And honestly, I think we've been very blessed and fortunate to really only have one, one week of our season um, be affected, you know, with all this COVID going on. So, um, you know, we've been fortunate overall. So I think overall we're in pretty good shape. And you've got a, a big playoff game this Friday at Brentwood Academy, and we'll get to that in a moment. First, I just want to take a, a look at your team and kind of review some of the successes you guys have had this year. I know, so the Knights missed the playoffs last year for the first time since 2008. Was that a motivating factor for, for your guys this year to try to get back into the playoffs? Sure. I mean, I think it was. I mean, I think it was, you know, last year was kind of the first year they went to a model where not all the teams make it as well. So that, that was part of it where, you know, um, now eight – uh, eight teams make it out of the 12, so four four teams are out, and it used to be, you know, where, where all the teams make it, so, you know, it puts a little bit more weight into the regular season, which I think was good, and yeah, it certainly gave some, something for our guys to shoot for and work for, you know, but, but our philosophy and really our mission of our program um, is, is, is what I credit most of it to, to and our process is really working each week by week um, like it's its own entity and, and, and treating that like any other week, whether it's a, a preseason week, a regular season week, or a playoff week. We really stress to our guys, as hard as it is to do, to, to, to treat those those weeks, you know, and, and give their best effort, be their best in any given week and everything that they do. So um, our guys have, have really bought into that, I think, well. They've, you know, worked that process well, and I think the results we've had – especially you know, within this season, are because of the continued buy-in by our kids. Another reason your team is playing so well right now is, is sophomore quarterback Kenny Minchie. He's thrown for almost 1,000 yards and seven touchdowns uh, in relief of Sawyer Watts, who went down with an injury midway through the season. What have you made of Kenny's play, and did you expect him to be this good this quickly? You know, he's, he's, he's been phenomenal. I think you know, we, we, we knew going into this season we had two good quarterbacks on this roster. Um, one happened to be a returning starter in Sawyer, um, who's done tremendous things for this program and still is. And then the other one was a young, one of our young guys in Kenny, who we knew was a talent last year coming in. And it just so happened that, you know, he does did exactly what we preached to, to our young guys. And when we named Sawyer the starter at the beginning of the season, he did some really good things. Unfortunately, went down with an injury. Um, kind of the next guy up mentality, Kenny stepped in. And because I think of the way he handled himself through the first half of the season, you know, not even getting that many reps in practice, but um, how he handled his mental reps and how he kind of, you know, just day-to-day handled his, his business. 
position to step in and play really well. And, uh, you know, very proud of him for that. And Tennessee has already offered him, too. I mean, Do you see him as potentially a, a big-time college recruit if he keeps up what he's doing? Yeah, I mean, I, mean, I think surely. I mean, you look at his measurables. Um, you know, he's a tall, long guy, physical guy, um, has tremendous arm talent, you know, can run well. So, sure, I think he has all the, the intangibles and the, and the physical skill set to be an elite quarterback. Um, but the, the, I think the great thing about him is he knows there's so much more upside still, and, and him just being a – being a sophomore in our system, um, he knows that, that his best football is still ahead of him, and you know, and, and, and we're going to expect a lot on him and put a lot on his shoulders. But he's the type of kid that he wants that. You know, he wants that for himself, and um, you know, he's really been a kind of a self-made guy from that standpoint of how he works. You know, the time he puts in, the film study he does, and and you know, he's very mature for his age for sure, and how he handles everything. And one of his classmates, Colin Cook, has also stepped up in a pretty big way for you guys. He's got 830 receiving yards and nine touchdowns this year. Uh, does having a reliable target like Colin Cook uh, take some pressure off Kenny Minchie as he's trying to, I guess, trying to get adapted to the high school level and all that? Sure. I mean, Colin's done a phenomenal job. Again, another guy we knew last year actually played some for as a receiver as a freshman last year. Um, but, you know, I think I don't look at the stats too much, but I think I was told that he's, you know, up there and he's leading the state or up there towards the top as far as receiving yards. And, you know, it's not surprising from the standpoint of he's a he's a talented kid. Um, but, again, you know, you look at him um, and you see a lot more upside potential, which is exciting. You know, we got a lot of youth on this roster, despite having a, a senior class that really leads this football team extremely well. And I credit those guys for really us being in the position we are um, but you, you look across our roster offensively and defensively and you see uh, a lot of youth out there as well, which which is certainly exciting for our future as a program as well. Yeah, it's good to have that mix of experience and also promise for the future. And, and, and one of those really experienced guys is uh, Antoine Roberts, of course, going to Wisconsin as a running back. What improvements have you seen Antoine make over last year that's, that's helped you your offense be even better this year? You know, I, I think he continues to, to learn and grow. Um, you know, he takes a lot in. He's a guy that, that understands that, again, that his best football still needs to be ahead of him. Obviously, he has, uh, you know, four-plus more years of football at, at the University of Wisconsin ahead of him, which is exciting for him. But I know he wanted to come in and, and really end his high school career in, in great fashion. And he's done some really good things for us this year, despite, you know, a lot of teams um, doing things to stop our run game. And we knew that would happen. He knew that would happen. But... I, you know, we were able to open up, you know, throwing the ball, having a lot more success throwing the ball this year. And I, I, you know, credit a lot of that probably to Antoine as well, because, you know, teams know what we have in the backfield and, you know, what he can do to a defense. Um, and, um, you know, doesn't have probably the stats that maybe he's had or maybe he's hoped for. Um, and he's had some injuries along the way this year, but, um, he's back healthy and strong right now, and, and, and just, just really proud of the young man and excited for his future as well. And to jump over to the other side of the ball, your defense has won the turnover battle in a, a really big uh, way, 26 or 23 to 6. Um, and Jackson, Jackson Noble all by himself has, has caused more turnovers than you guys have committed on offense. Uh, what's been the key to your defense getting so many takeaways and, and putting the offense in a, in a good spot? Well, yeah, I mean, first of all, when you win, you win. When you, when you win a turnover margin or ratio like that, I mean, that gives your football team a, a huge advantage right there. So, uh, but, you know, I credit our defense there. I credit, you know, our defensive staff. Um, 
does, does a great job, uh, led by our defensive coordinator, Brian Snead. He, 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 he really has great plans year to year, and, and we talk every year about, you know, our personnel and where we are competing in the best league. And the state, you know, we've got to be really smart about how we use our personnel and kind of adapting our scheme offensively and defensively around who we have and not just saying, hey, this is what we are, this is this is the scheme we are, and this is what we're going to do, but looking each year at who we have, what, what are our strengths, what are our weaknesses, and, and trying to build a system around that that fits. And I think he's done a phenomenal job at that this year, and I think – you know, we have a lot of youth over on that defensive side of the ball, but we have more speed on that side of the ball than we've ever had. Um, and I think he does a great job moving guys around. Um, you know, and really our, our defense is based on off movement. It's based off pressure. Uh, and it's based off, you know, creating confusion for offenses. And it's done that this year, and it's created some, some really timely turnovers and, you know, done some really good things to keep us in football games to allow us to compete. So, um yeah, I mean, it's been it's been great. And now you have the uh, unenviable task of uh, traveling to Brentwood Academy on Friday. The Eagles are obviously 10-0 and and probably one of the favorites there in your bracket, but uh, they haven't really been blowing teams out. I think only one of their wins has been by more than two scores. A lot of their games have been close in the fourth quarter. What do you guys yeah. need to do to give yourselves a chance, uh, a chance for a win there late in the game? Well, I mean, for, first of all, Brentwood Academy, I mean, everybody knows what type of program they have. Phenomenal football team, Cody White does a great job down there and really built that program back up to the glory days, I think, of where they where they are. I mean, they've always been an elite program, and I think a lot of other programs have, have always kind of aspired to, to be, you know, and to kind of follow and find out what they do and why they've been so successful. Um, but a lot of tradition, a lot of winning football tradition there. Um, but really, I, I don't think it's about Brentwood Academy Friday. It's going to be more about JP2, and it's going to be about how we continue to play our brand of football um, and how we go in and, and kind of handle our business um, to give ourselves a chance. I mean, we, we talked to our guys um, really all week, I mean, all year. Uh, you know, we, we don't really control the outcomes of games. We can control certain variables and how we prepare. We can control how our effort. We can control kind of our preparation as we build up into the course of a week. But uh, the outcomes are out of our control. You know, that, 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 that's going to happen or it's not going to happen based on based on all those other things that we can control. So really it's been about it's been, the focus has been about us. It's been on us all week. It's going to continue to be about us, you know, doing everything we can to be the best versions of ourselves that we can be, playing at our highest level, and then, you know, being vulnerable, laying it out there on the line, you know, having no excuses at the end of the night, and, um, you know, let the chips fall from there and see, and see what happens. Um Against a great football team like that, you know, you, you never know what's going to happen. But I love, I love, uh, I love our kids' compete level right now, and I love where we're at mentally. And I, you know, hoping for a great game. What do you make of the way the the D two AAA bracket is shaped up here? Obviously, Brentwood Academy is there at the top at ten and zero, but then you guys are right in the mix along with MBA, Father Ryan, MUS, maybe some others as well. Um, yeah. I mean, do you think sure. this is a fairly wide open, a fairly wide open tournament? Yeah, well, you know, it's interesting how I mean the West. Um, our side of the region being in the West this year, um, it really came down to that final week last, you know, the other week of uh, of games to find out who was going to be first, second, third, or fourth. You know, we just happened to be fourth, but everything was separated by one week's games because it seems like everyone has beaten everybody this year. 
Um, and, you know, so we were waiting on to see if we, we would be a first seed, you know, or a fourth seed just based on how the other games played out in one week. Um, and that's kind of kind of how everything got clumped together. So to kind of answer your question, I mean, yeah, I, I do think um, this year it seems to be a lot closer in the league. I think it seems to um, – and it should, should provide for an exciting playoffs. I mean, I, I, I'm ex- I know our guys are excited to go down and play the number one team in the state. You know, our program's been there. They've been there in the playoffs before, and it honestly wasn't even wasn't even that many years ago when we've gone down there, and it's been, it's, you know, gotten run out of the place, and it's been really tough. I think our program's come a long way since then, so I think it'll be a good test on our kids, good test of the program to see, you know, um, where we're at as we go into, the, in, into a tough place to play Friday night. Yep, it should make for a great matchup on Friday, and Coach, I believe that's all I've got, unless you have anything else you'd like to add. All righty. Well, thanks, Coach Geisinger. Best of luck against Brentwood Academy this Friday. Absolutely. Thank you. All right. That's been the Pope John Paul II football coach. Uh, Should be a great matchup on Friday, and we'll be there to cover it. All right. It's time to make some second-round mid-state football picks. I know this is everyone's favorite part of the show, or it seems that way at least. These picks have been pretty solid. We're sitting at 81-28 and on the season, close to 75% correct. Uh, Last week went 8-2, and and this week feeling pretty good, so let's get into them. The Main Street Preps Game of the Week, which I will be covering on Friday, is Pope John Paul II at Brentwood Academy, the game we just talked about with Coach. Now, Brentwood Academy is 10-0 coming into this game. They look to be the favorite. Uh, They've got a good senior quarterback in Taylor Montiel, who's thrown for nearly 2,000 yards and 10 touchdowns. And he keeps helping the Eagles find ways to win late in games. They've had a bunch of close games in the fourth quarter. And their defense as well is is giving up less than 18 points a game. And and the Eagles keep finding ways to avoid losing. And so we'll see if they can do that again this week against JP2. JP2 is kind of an upstart team this year. Uh, They're 8-2. And and like we talked about, Kenny Minchie, Antoine Roberts, Colin Cook, those guys really make for a dynamic offense. And so if the Knights can keep it close there in the fourth quarter, they'll have a chance, just like several other teams have had against Brentwood Academy. But uh, with all the success the Eagles have had over the years, and especially after their disappointing season last year, I think they're on a mission to get back to that Division II AAA state title game. So I'm going Brentwood Academy 28, JP220. Now how about some Metro football action? East Nashville at Pearl Cone. This is a rematch of a game that happened earlier this season. Pearl Cone has actually won the last six meetings with East Nashville, so I know the Eagles are looking to get off the schneid here. Two of those were, were second-round games as well, and this is obviously a second-round game too. Pearl Cone won the first meeting earlier this season, 42-21, and that's a game in which East Nashville coach Jamal Stewart said his team kind of lost focus, got a little too caught up in, in talking and let – Pearl Cone kind of slip away with that win there. So Rontavius Gregory, the East Nashville running back, is going to need to have a big night here. He had 241 yards and four touchdowns at Fairview last week in the first round. Him and and Quanzie Jamison, their quarterback as well, are going to need to put up some stats in order to keep up with a Pearl Cone offense averaging nearly 42 points a game. I'm just not sure they're going to be able to do that, though. So I'm going Pearl Cone 35, East Nashville 28. Now moving on to Williamson County, Independence at Brentwood. Another rematch. Uh, Independence won this game on October 24th, 26-21 in come-from-behind fashion thanks to Jackson Campbell. He had a first down run late in, in the final minute to run out the clock, and that was after he totaled 316 yards of offense and three touchdowns. So a big game there for the Class 6A Mr. Football semifinalist. Look for him to have another good night. 
but pulling off that same type of win is going to be difficult. Brentwood showed a lot of grit last week by crushing Cane Ridge 45-13, despite being without quarterback Kate Granzow and defensive back John House to injuries, and they were also without 34 quarantine players for COVID-19 contact tracing. The Bruins are expecting to get between 15 and 20 of those players back. Maybe Granzow, maybe House can go. Uh, haven't heard on that yet, but if they can, that would be a huge boost for Brentwood. Either way, though, Davis White, uh, the backup quarterback that came in for Granzow, threw five touchdowns last week, was really impressive, and I think the Bruins can get it done here. So I'm going Brentwood 21, Independence 14. Now, staying in Williamson County, we have Franklin at Ravenwood. Ravenwood won this game by three scores in early September. Could have been even... A bigger blowout if Franklin hadn't made a a late rally there in the fourth quarter. Both of these teams have dynamic offenses led by senior quarterbacks. On Ravenwood's side, it's Trevor Andrews, who has nearly 1,700 passing yards and 27 touchdowns. Franklin has Connor Beaven, 2,400 yards and 18 touchdowns. And the Admirals score nearly 30 points a game. The Raptors score almost 34. But I think the difference here is going to be the Ravenwood defense. They've got Junior Colson, a Michigan commit at linebacker, and he is a disruptive force. And he actually didn't play in the last uh, meeting with Franklin. So he's back, and he's going to be uh, disrupting Beaven in that Franklin offense. I like Ravenwood to take this one 35-14. Now let's head up north to Montgomery County, where Clarksville is going to travel to Clarksville Northeast. Montgomery County teams haven't uh, advanced too far into the playoffs recently. This is actually the first time two Clarksville teams have squared off in the second round since these two teams met in 2010. Northeast won the regular season meeting 44-14 over Clarksville. And I think if Jaden Puig and some of his offensive weapons like Jawan Harris, Jalen Bowser, Jalen Bussey, there's a bunch of them, if they can get on the same page and put up some some scores early, uh, I think the Eagles can get past the second round for the first time since 2013. So I'm going Clarksville Northeast 42, Clarksville 21. Hillsboro at Beach, another rematch. Seven of these games I'm talking about here are rematches. Beach was pretty fortunate to emerge with a 14-7 win over Hillsboro on October 2nd. The Buccaneers had just come off their three-week layoff due to COVID-19 issues and Hillsborough was only two games into its shortened season. So for those reasons, I think you, you kind of have to throw that regular season result out the window. Neither of these teams has lost since. Beach went on to win the region title, and Hillsborough got third even after a forfeit loss to Gallatin. But I think the Beach running game could make a difference here. Tyshawn Jefferson had uh, nearly 200 yards and two scores on just eight carries and a big win over Lincoln County last week. And I think just as they have all season, Beach can rely on that run game to get them on the scoreboard, and on they can rely on their good defense to keep Hillsborough off the board. So I'm going Beach 20, Hillsborough 17. Next up is Mount Juliet at Oakland. And, of course, Oakland has just been so dominant this year. They're 11-0, the number one team in our Main Street Prep's top 25 poll, and it's easy to see why. They completely ob- obliterated Rossview last week, 49-0 in the first round. Uh, on the other side, Mount Julie has really been living on the edge for a couple months here. Five of their last seven games have been decided by one score or less. They almost lost to Warren County last week if it weren't for a last-second touchdown at the goal line. And four of those close contests went Mount Juliet's way. But at some point, the, ru- the luck is going to run out. And I think against a team like Oakland, it's just going to be really tough. So I'm going Oakland 42, Mount Juliet 7. Riverdale at Hendersonville. Hendersonville, one of the hottest teams in the area right now. They're on a five-game winning streak. Really got a dominant run game led by Brent Rowe and Ellis Ellis. So the Commandos won the region title, and then they beat Blackman last week to advance in the first round. But Hendersonville does have three losses to Oakland, Beach, and Independence, all teams ranked in the top 15 of our poll. 
And lo and behold, this week they get Riverdale, number seven. That's going to provide another difficult challenge for the Commandos. The Warriors have only given up an average of 7.3 points over the la their last eight games, and a big reason why is they have physical defenders like Javon Nelson, Caleb Herring, Elijah Herring, and these guys are going to make it really tough for Hendersonville to enjoy that same kind of success on the ground. So I'm going Riverdale 28, Hendersonville 14. Let's head down south, Marshall County at Tullahoma. Tullahoma, of course, is 11-0. They've really been one of the best stories of the season um, in the Middle Tennessee area. They went 0-10 in 2016, and they've slowly called back to relevancy in Class 4A, and now they have a chance to host playoff games through the state semifinals if they can make it that far, and I think they can. Do-it-all senior Jacoby Thomas has been a big catalyst behind their success. He's got nearly 1,000 total yards and 17 total touchdowns, and he was a big reason why they rolled over Marshall County on September 4th, 42-7. It's the playoffs. The Tigers can probably put up a better fight this time around, but I still feel like Tullahoma is somewhat of a team of destiny here to meet Elizabethton in the state semifinals with a chance to go to Cookville. So I'm going Tullahoma 35, Marshall County 16. Now let's wrap it up with one last matchup down south, Columbia at Summit. Uh, Summit is 10-1, but the record is a little deceiving because they've only played I believe seven games on the field. They finally got a chance to play last week and they demolished Hillwood, took out several weeks of restlessness there in a 42-6 win. Four of the Spartans' 10 wins have been because their opponents have had COVID-19 issues. So they've been lucky in a sense that they've had wins there, but they've been unlucky in the sense that they haven't gotten the chance to play, which I know ultimately is what all these kids want to be doing. Anyways, though, when Summit's been on the field, they've been impressive. They've outscored their challengers 240-83. to that includes a 35-0 win over Columbia earlier this season. Now, Columbia did beat Gallatin 21-14 in triple overtime in the first round to get to this game. But now, Columbia's got to take on Destin Wade, a Class 5A Mr. Football semifinalist who's totaled 22 touchdowns this year. And I think Wade is going to get another chance to pad his stats in this one. So I'm going Summit 42, Columbia 0. And that'll do it for episode nine of the Main Street Preps podcast. We thank you for joining us today. Stay tuned to our website, MainStreetPreps.com, and our Twitter, at MainStreetPreps, this Friday for all of your high school football playoff results. <laughs>